0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I'm James McSorley and as usual I'm joined by zero-time NBA all-star Mark Schofield. How are you doing? That's what my friends call me.
1: And yeah, I'm doing good man. Thank you for joining us this week. I appreciate you showing up to the call and not just letting me know that we wouldn't be doing this episode because it was your birthday via an Instagram story in the same way you let all the listeners know because I had no idea until then.
0: Uh, yes that's not that's not actually the case is it and you know that
1: (laughs) that would would have been great though i would have appreciated that had you just not told me that i'd
0: hoped i'd seen that very much like western movie shows up to like the sheriff's place and there's just a sign on the door be like no it's not it's very like i should have just put like a gone fishing sign up on our (laughs) on our instagram but yeah i think it was like my birthday was the monday valentine's day was the tuesday and i was like I don't want to like ruin your, I don't want to like ruin your Tuesday because I don't want to do Monday and I certainly wasn't doing Sunday. So, yeah, well, was, no date. it was,
1: it was your birthday and like the thing we didn't touch on on the Instagram because I'm sure that like your, your being, it being your birthday was a good enough excuse in and of itself. I also had food poisoning across those few days and I was in, I was not having like a, comprehensible conversation with anybody about anything for most of those two days so I think
0: are you telling me I could have blamed this on you and then just had my birthday weekend off anyway
1: well yeah you could have done but you were so wrapped up in it being your birthday you didn't even think to ask me how I was so you don't get to blame it on me
0: That was the hilarious thing I text Mark to be like, can I just post and say, we're not doing this because I don't want to. And your reply was, is this you passive aggressively reminding me I haven't wished you a happy birthday yet? Because it was like 1 (laughs) p.m. I was like, well, genuinely not. But if you feel bad about it, that's a you thing. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, talking about feeling bad. No, I'm joking. Uh, (laughs) Talking about terrible, terrible segues. Should we... Should we talk about the games that we're not really going to go into any detail about? We shall. Do you want to reel the first one off? All right. First one is Mercia Federal, which, if I'm not mistaken, was on Friday.
1: For some reason. I
0: said a Friday. Um, Yeah, well, I guess they just needed to make it up. And yeah, I don't really know why, but pretty run of the mail. Mercia 83, Federal 56. Maybe a little bit closer mathematically than I thought it would be, but like. After 20-something points, it's kind of all nonsense anyway. Um, Yeah, like I have that thing where I'm like, hey, winning by 25 is winning by 45 is winning by 80. Like, whatever. Uh, Lee Fryer with 26. uh, Lalo Preto with 13. Paulo Zazuela with 10. uh, Joaquin Robles with 8. Biel Carbo with 10. Beatriz Ciudadde with 3. Sonia Ruiz with, I mean, with 4 and Sonia Ruiz with 3. Uh, yeah, uh, Vicky Alonso. Sorry, with five. I don't know why I went through everyone there, but I'm certainly not going to do it on the other side. Carl Schultz had twenty. Um, Miguel Romero had ten, and everyone else had sixes and eights and zeros. Yeah,
1: the um Lorenzo Embo doing his usual thing of bailing them out with shooting a stationary three from above his head it turns out it doesn't work against Mercia when you can't even get within like four feet of the three point line to shoot your post up.
0: Yeah, it's like, hey, okay, are you gonna get here and sit still, are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> being able to shoot it being able to shoot at stationary not being a factor is really funny. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Um the other one that we're just gonna gloss over real quick is from Germany and it was Cologne 87 and Hot Rolling Bears 35. The only real notable stat line from this one was that uh Akita played 40 minutes, which is yeah. 39 more than he has played in any other game this season. Um, he must have had, like, he generally plays like 6 minutes and scores 6 or 8 points, so he must have the actual best points per minute of the entire German league. And he played 40, he had 27, and we generally laugh about the plus-minuses in the Thuringian games, but Keokita was a plus 52 in this game, which is slightly cheating when you play 40 minutes against a very weak team. But hey, that guy deserves it. He sat on the bench far too much. Um, And other than that, for Colm, Thomas Raya had 32. And yeah, they obviously took care of business against a pretty undermanned hot-rolling Bears team, um, who had 17 from Abraham Amel and... Sixes from everybody else across the board. Um,
0: Can I just say it's funny to be like blah 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 tooting the horn. This guy had twenty seven, and then someone else also had, and then said a number higher than the twenty seven. Like yeah,
1: that's not as Im- as impressive because Thomas Wright has had a much bigger role for most of this. I know, I know, but yeah, I go his own. But also, Thomas Wright took thirty one shots to get to thirty two points, and it's like man, you just shoot mismatches and layups.
0: <laughs> like, right, legend, legend, get those yeah. shots up. I love it. Um, yeah, I want, so to see that... someone, I want to see someone take 45 shots in a wheelchair basketball game this season.
1: What's the most shot attempt? It's got to be Passavan, hasn't it? Must be the most attempts we've seen,
0: yeah, or there might be like a Tommy game. Or I wonder if it's just like apart from like best team in league plays worst team in league and steamrolls them and gets laps. Like, I wonder is there like a well, they rotate too much. I was going to say, is there like a during an Orlando play Essen and just someone takes 40 layups (laughs) I I would genuinely love to see a game where like
1: for example if um, Thuringham had to go to like Essen and just had injuries or illnesses and could only take like 5 or 6 guys and they were like okay we can't rotate we just have to roll these like if Thuringham played their starting 5 40 minutes they would probably crack 200 points against Essen Uh, maybe like 140 I don't know yeah, they, they had 136 against Trio last year, and that was with them just rotating like normal.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's a certain, like, even if you don't rotate, you just take your foot off the gas when you're smashing a team, I guess. But I'm trying to think. Maybe, like, Tommy had a game where he went nuts. No, it probably is pass There's probably
1: a John Hernandez and game as well somewhere in there, from, maybe from before Jose Leap got there, where he was like, I'm just going to have to post up and shoot.
0: Yes. Um
1: they would be my candidates
0: Mm -hmm. david Murray's last year had probably a couple of games i know he had a couple of games that he sort of scratched 30 um shot attempts which is unbelievable because i would say 20 of them were threes i'm gonna say Uh, and he's now back
1: to about six shots (laughs) a game this season he's like yeah i can turn it off it's
0: fine (laughs) it's so funny because every time he comes like if he doesn't start if we're rotating or if he's not been there if he's like ill or whatever and then he comes on every time he's on the floor I'm like David you have 33's to get up can you do it there's 11 <laughs> minutes left <laughs> oh,
1: man. right speaking of getting 30 up should we touch on the Leganes and Joventut game which won't take much of our time
0: wow that was actually really impressive and yes we shall because no. you made a point of wanting to talk about this game for one specific reason and I will clear the floor for you to do so thanks so, you're welcome. <laughs> this mainly
1: came about because we obviously didn't podcast last week, but it was Leganez Mediba last week. And there's a, I think, second quarter of that game, there was a stretch where Christian Gomez of Leganez decided he was tall enough to not be bothered by their defense to the point where he wasn't even placing his left hand on the ball when he shot it.
0: He was just catching
1: it and single handedly posting up and shooting. Well,
0: single handedly, actually, being what you mean is a weird yeah, use exactly of I mean. single handedly. I'm on fire this week. Um, huh. but yeah, um, he ended up doing that. They ended up
1: losing that game just because of like a pace mismatch kind of thing. But he obviously decided he trusted that process because Legones came out to start this game. And I think if you watch the first six times Gomez catches the ball, he just controls his chair with his left hand and shoots a single-hand post up. And I really want this to be a thing going forward. Um, it was like, this is a 27-point win for Leganez like, be 74-47. And uh, it was kind of close in the first half, I think, just because Leganez aren't really built to blow out weaker teams. They just kind of have to grind and grind and grind, which... They ended up blowing it open a bit in the third quarter, but Gomez with 31. And that makes up the fact that Cano has now missed the last two games. I'm not sure why, uh, but they're obviously missing an element of their offense there. And Gomez is like, hey, we can be missing that guy and be absent my left hand and we'll still drop 30 on these guys. It's all good.
0: Yeah. It's funny to be like a team that we've kind of spoken about in terms of how slow they play for the last couple of years. And they've finally brought in sort of elements of pace. Obviously, Cano just kind of plays fast, but on his own sometimes. And then they've got the sort of Matias Mendes, Philip Haffley, him lineups. And then in the absence of Cano, they've had to just go back to what their sort of
1: yeah
0: what their calling card was for the last couple of years. And it's funny to be like, oh yeah, still got it. Don't worry, <laughs> elbow post ups <laughs> with one. It's fine. Don't worry. This
1: Soldier. is this is kind of like do you know when it's like late. This is a deep cut here for any listeners, but this is like late career NBA Al Jefferson when he was like on the paces and they were like, yeah, we run this intricate offense with our starting five and our bench isn't very good. So we just throw it to the massive guy and he pushes people out of the way and lays it in the basket. That's basically what it's going to be. like. Yeah, we're not going to try and run anything fancy. We're just going to be tall and shoot over you at excruciatingly slow pace. And that's what they did. Yeah. Fair.
0: And a reasonable thing
1: to want to do. Gomez, 31 points on 19 shots, pretty impressive. Um, other than that, it was only, it was 20 for Alvin Bernal and 10 for Fabian Castillo from Joventut, who hung around for the first half. But mm-hmm. yeah, Leganes are just built to kind of edge these things out, you know, a few points a quarter, and they ended up winning the third quarter by 13. So when they've got that in the bank, Joventut not a- Exactly, Um, to be mounting a comeback at this point.
0: No, just don't have the quality. Because, um, I don't know, Leganes like, have gone from, as we say, like they were sort of middle of the... But they still are, but they're like, uh, I think most people would say they're like a, just a good, solid Spanish league team at this point. Yeah. Um, Only random funny thing that I remembered is we were looking up stats and we realised Fabian Castilla has taken 261 shots this season so far. And right. I wonder if that's the highest number in... Any team in the league. Yeah. Uh, I wonder who's taken more shots than him this year, just going back to the the question we asked.
1: Yeah, that's it. I don't know who would you, I would say there's probably an Agostino Lejos case for that. Yeah. Um, Or Filipski like randomly has like games of 30 attempts and then games of like six attempts when Albacete just running layups in. So he was going to, he was like my first guess, but. Yeah, I think Fabian Castilla very much has a case of, like, if not me, then who? Yeah, I thought
0: about Lee as well, but he's like, missed a handful of games from, like, being thrown out and this, that, and the other. And, like, I don't know, some of them may be injury or rest, I have no idea. But um, it's pretty hard to do unless you're playing 40 minutes. But I'm trying to think of, like, I don't think it'll be anyone in, like, the top five teams. No, you would um, hope them. No. Yeah, or is there like a, no, Gran Canary moved the ball too much. I was going to say, is there like an Alexi Ramonet case, but no. Then they get things moving.
1: I would say Ramonet, if you had to pick a top two, I would say Ramonet and Salah are probably up there, but I don't think either of them individually.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, Well, we're about to talk about the fact that, it can't really be Ramonet if we're going to talk about the fact that one of his teammates had 39 this weekend. (laughs) Spoiler (laughs) alert. That's that's points, not shot attempts. (laughs) He made that against 39 shots. No, no, no. Right. Far more we... efficient than that. All right, should we move on?
1: We do Vidalid 44 and Amiab Albacetti 86. Yes,
0: Amiab with another what-can-you-do performance, yeah. um, which is what I've just taken to calling these because they're just so good. Like, I don't know, this is first t- first in the league against third in the league currently, and it's like, I would just hope a game like this would be interesting to watch and it just wasn't from very early on. Yeah. I don't know if you had the the same thing, but I just, like, I Amiab mean, were going and they were kind of going well in a half court and I thought they were, like, there was a load of buckets in a row where it was, like, pick and roll one side, hold the pick, skip it, run a pick and roll on the other side and then the guy on the first side of the pick and roll just cuts, gets a layup and it's like, okay, if they're going that well in half court, you might be in trouble. And then second and third quarter, they get out in they get out and transition. They turn the defense up. And there were just so many times, and I've said this before about Albacete, but there are so many times that you watch them and it's like the team they're playing against either doesn't create an advantage at any given point. Like you could pause in the half court. And this is like, by the leader they're a very good team, which is even more impressive. So you like pause like a, or get a screenshot in the half court and you're like, all right, where's your advantage? Like, do you have a mismatch or someone open or whatever? It's like, nope, nothing. And then, or like, you actually jump a shooter, you come off pick and roll, and there's just like, okay, you should, in theory, have the upper hand here, but where do you go? Like, Yeah. What um, you do? Because they're so big that they'll, like, be able to withhold jumping for the longest time if you've got, like, there's times where it's, like, Alejandro and Philipsky on the same side. <laughs> just, that- like Just, like, those Not. two guys
1: L shaping you covers so much ground as well. Like the corridor. exactly, yeah, the that's track. what I mean. Um, I did think that I thought second quarter that they came out with this defense was I Amiab mean, took to having I think Phil when he was in there and Ben when he was in playing as like effectively the defender in the middle or at the point and just pushing way way out and pressuring either Maxi or Romo or CJ or whoever's bringing the ball up. And that size against those guys meant there was like no passes inside to Yelmer or Adrian Perez pretty much. And I think you saw quite often it took then one of the other ball handlers like coming back up from the wing to make an angle for an outlet. Yeah. And you talk about like not creating an advantage. It's literally like, you know, NBA coaches talk about playing downhill and like going at your guy with momentum. That You're literally playing uphill in that scenario because you're having to come Back up to get the ball to reset the offense, and it's like they can apply that pressure and give up nothing really because of that time it takes to then reset the offense.
0: Yeah, and there's a the thing of like they're all such good defenders that they, but they could actually afford to like take risks and be sort of I don't know, like make mistakes in inverted commas, but it's just like calculated risks where you're like, all right, I'm going. Like, yeah, uh, I'm gonna go I here think- because you're not going to be able to like. The many times you see like Harry or Phil or Ben be like. I'm gonna put myself somewhere that I would probably be taught not to because I can just get myself back out of there. It's fine, but they come out of there with a hand on the on a dribble or like a tip yeah. on a pass, and you're like, "Oh my god!"
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I thought Vitaly could have adapted to that pressure on the point a little bit better. Um, I think it's the kind of thing we used to see when, like, going back to the old Madiba team from a few years ago. They used to play that same way against Terry and. Ilunion used to trail the twins like behind the ball and then straight into the pick from there. And yeah. Vitaly just never kind of picked up a counter to it other than taking five or six seconds to get the ball safely to the wing and then try and run the offense delayed. Yeah. And yeah, that's why they didn't get a whole lot of good looks out of it, like to be as, as blunt as that. Um, on the other side, Ben with 22 to lead I to say, and then 20 apiece for. Philipsky and Lee, so that's 62 combined points on 29 of, I don't even know what that number would be, 20, 29 of 38 shooting, off the, if my math is right there. It might um, well be. Yeah, so, yeah, good luck keeping up with that. It's yeah. just the most efficient 86 points we might ever see on 66% shooting of the squad. Just completely um,
0: ridiculous. And it's like, you're doing all that and really I don't know like Ben had a couple of, I think he had three or four from the perimeter but like apart from that out of those three guys it was just like bread and butter stuff like Ben and um, Ali just getting layups whenever they wanted, Philips, he's gonna do what he's gonna do, like Philipski from 15 feet in the wing is a layup Like <laughs> Also sneaky appearance for Albacete from Salvador Zavala Yeah, which was yeah. weird, welcome yeah. back uh when was he... this happening? But
1: um, he plays there now apparently. Um and yeah, he's obviously I think he was with Las Rosas last year, so I'm not sure what's gone on there, but that was exactly what they needed was another piece and a bit more size, right?
0: Yeah. I wonder how old he is.
1: Uh I think he's fifty or just over.
0: I think he's yeah, I think he's yeah. I think he's over. We'll 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 be able to find out. If you can vamp, um, I can probably find out. He's, I think we actually did
1: this exact exercise last year when we were talking about with with Rosas. I think he was maybe 49 at some point last season, so he's either 50 or 51 now. Yes, he probably so is. I'll, um, keep, I'll keep ramping while we find out. Um, but yeah, the this was kind of the upshot of the game, but I think this, has, this is a further point of evidence in Vitalid in that they are a good team, but not in any way able to hang with the kind of top two teams in Spain, at the very least, I think they've kind of beaten everybody below them or equal to them, and then they've really kind of shown the chasm between themselves and Alunion and Albacete,
0: Which, yeah. well, Alunion had one good game, um, like they played Alunion tight once and then got blown out by them the second time. But like, I would also argue that there's a big gap between Alunion and Albacete at this point. Yeah, me. Th- yeah, I think that's fair. Anyway, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's a big gap, but it's like enough that they're in a tier on their own. If you lose to a team twice, I think. Yeah, you get to say yeah. that, and yeah, Tavares is fifty. You're you're right. So yeah, that was the story of this one.
1: But vitally, of obviously, I guess you guys must have your return fixture with them coming up at some this point week in the near future. So that's obviously going to be a big one in
0: clarifying what the tiers are. But yeah, we of, have them on Saturday, which is God busy couple of weeks for them. But cool. shall we shift on? Speaking of you guys. Yeah, speaking of of teams that we have uh <laughs> to play, um Vigo seventy two, Bilbao seventy-six. So I guess this is my one, is it? <laughs> oh,
1: you, you were there. I don't see why you made the trip otherwise if you weren't gonna record your thoughts on the matter.
0: Uh yes, this is why I do what I do. Um yeah, we came out. Um we came out kind of I don't know, I was going to say slow, it, more we just couldn't stop them. They they came out with their new five now that Josh Meyer is there. Um, he's been there a couple of weeks now, had a really good game on Saturday. He was 17 points, 8 from 19. I think he was sort of 2 or 3 from 10-ish in the last couple of games. So that really helped them. They were able to go Julio Villas, Hilary Hansen, Basti Kolb, Josh Meyer let House and go kind of five, I say kind of five big, that's five big, um, yeah. which is just always going to give you problems. And yeah, I was talking to you about it. And it's weird because we've spoken about them, we've been quite complimentary of them a couple of times this season. They've not really pulled some wins out to show, they've not really pulled some of the wins out that they could have to kind of show what we think of them to be true, but competent from top to bottom. Alejos is great and kind of is highly skilled and causes you problems and then when you sort of bend to adjust to those problems, they are well enough put together to try and take advantage of it most of the time. Um, He had a sort of inefficient game in the end, three from 15, Um, but Josh Meyer with 17 and Basti Gold with 23 both shot the ball well off the sort of attention that you're sort of number one guy attracts. And obviously if Alejos was able to get two more a couple more shots to drop, we would have been in some difficulty. Um but yeah that new lineup is interesting for them because they're massive um yeah. all over the floor.
1: They're massive and it's I can't remember the last time they were ever able to put Alejos and two other legit outside shooting threats on the floor at once. Exactly. Which... Bassi Kolb had his best game of the season, definitely. Josh Meyer looks to be finding it, and it's kind of another sneaky good pickup from Vigo in the same way that they nabbed Romo a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this uh, like obviously the knock-on effect is this now gives them kind of two lineups. They only ran the second lineup of on Burtoncourt and Nooh Mohammed. They only ran that for like seven minutes there, but they do have two lineups now, whereas. Before they were kind of sticking with four players and then subbing, you know, the fifth person in and out for no yeah.
0: real schematic advantage. It was just like rest or foul trouble, basically. Yeah, rotation because another player rather than like actually changing the styles. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, but no, our side of the ball, we I think we just struggled to get going for a while. It's we've had a couple of weeks in a row where we've kind of started badly and then figured it out and. I hate that because it's like, (laughs) hey, could we not just could we not just have done this from the beginning? But um, we kind of tightened up on Alejos and everyone else in the process, and then offensively, we kind of know what we're doing at this point. Like we got got to seventy six because we were just like, right, can like offense was never going to be the problem. We had forty three at halftime. The problem, oh yeah, the problem was they had forty (laughs) two. Like we were always going to score, um. But yeah, like Poppy six from eight, Manu five from nine, Asier nine from nineteen, um, Adrian two from two, Gemma six from eleven off the bench. The only real inefficient scoring, I guess, was um, I split mine and David was two from nine, but we shot over fifty percent overall.
1: You guys were also the only. You guys are the highest plus minus across the team, actually plus
0: six each. Of course, um, don't, worry, don't worry about that. Um, yeah, I thought I thought this was we, we uh, do well when I'm on the floor, and I don't know why. Now it's it's yeah, it's it's fine. Um, we just kind of figured it out as a team in the second half when I was rotating back in, and yeah, you know, we were able to get out and transition a little bit. And I think when we're out in transition and getting inside because of it is kind of yeah, very obviously peak Bilbao, but yeah.
1: I thought both Chema and, to a somewhat lesser extent, Manu were kind of the X factor for you guys. Um, Chema obviously coming off the bench to the point where they didn't close the game with Papi, um, if Chema was just knocking them down, like I wouldn't necessarily have expected to see that, but Chema kind of came in and does what does what he's always done. So, you yeah, know, that was, um, I thought Manu did pretty well getting inside and finishing second half. And yeah, especially when they weren't playing it on Benton Court for most of the game, it's just, you know, they're always going to have a tough time matching up with Bilbao's size, even though they're like five bigger guys, they're only one real giant out there when Benton Court's not playing. So it was like, I thought you guys learned to pick your spots a little bit better in the second half.
0: Yeah. Um, Also, Poppy going six from eight quietly is great. Like. (laughs) I think it's just because obviously nothing really, like, starts with him, so he'll just, like, make what comes over to him. Like, he'll just, like, pick up six from eight without really having to create a whole lot for himself, which is great, but...
1: I I still stand by my theory that Pappy doesn't know what to do with these games, because coming over from the Italian League and being with Cantu for so long, they had, like, two legit tough games a season and then a bunch of blowouts. So I think he's like, what do you mean a close game against a not-as-good team? This doesn't happen to us.
0: Yeah. To be fair, I think Vigo played us a little closer than I thought they would, but also we went to overtime against them at the start of the season. They were like, I don't really know why I would have thought that. I think they're just like, I wonder, do we accidentally come into these games a little bit less psyched than necessary because I thought it was weird like even the week after Euro Cup like we had just won a Champions League or Champions Cup group and then we like got blown out in a quarter against Mercia and I was like oh (laughs) but we're playing over points now we should be better but then I guess we're playing other teams over points and maybe maybe there's something in that but yeah I don't know we figured it out in the end this team is very good at figuring it out in the end and I don't know, I just feel like I feel very safe in like clutch situations in Bilbao. Yeah. It helps when you've got like a ball handling four pointer who's just like we'll always get something decent, don't worry. Like
1: say you said when you say I feel very safe is like coded language, but it's nice that it's not really my problem to figure out.
0: Yeah. I just listen like i told you a conversation i had with us a while ago where he was like hey good job i can't do i like good job and i was like i just do what you tell me and he was like yeah but i can't do what you do and i was like and i can't do what you do so maybe maybe that's good I literally do as i say not as i do is <laughs> the
1: entire nature yeah. of your right. Sure. Anyway, right up next
0: uh Madiba 70 grand canaria 79 so, um, the highlight this is, of this was Jorge Salazar with 39 points yeah. uh, on 18 of 29 shooting, also 11 boards, two assists. Yeah, he
1: could have uh, assists up a little bit.
0: Um, no, you know, if you score 39, you absolutely shouldn't be kicking the ball all, all all over the place. If you score 39, it's because they haven't stopped you enough for someone else to be open yet. Yeah, I thought this was.
1: I think this might have been the best. Like, the offense will stand out, obviously, but I think this might be the best all-around Jorge Salazar game, at least since he's been in Gran Canaria, um, in terms of, like, the shots he was hitting. He was finishing inside, and he was hitting deep twos when they left him on the weak side as well. Like, some of that I didn't fully understand, because it's like you could definitely be, like, six feet closer in behind the screen than you are. <laughs> he's, like, choosing to sit stationary and shoot from 21 feet. Um, yeah. But he was knocking those down, and uh, he generally did a pretty good job of defending the interior for Gran Canaria. Um, John Hernandez had thirty-five on the other side, but a lot of it was kind of wing shots and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Salazar's obviously done, kind of made his mark on the league really in defending bigger guys or like taller guys than him. And he, especially with like Salvador and John Mendes. It's a tough matchup for anybody, but I thought he did a good job of like covering and putting out fires because Grand Canary obviously defending with at least one low pointer, if not two, on the floor at any given point. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, the I actually thought this game swung in the seven minutes that Jose Leap didn't play. Um, I mean, the guy who I don't know the guy's name who plays instead of him, uh, Gozibi, the yeah, Musa Gozibi. Yeah. He played seven and a half minutes and was minus twelve. So um, I was
0: just gonna say the stats would back you up. I'm not,
1: not breaking money. any hot t- any hot takes on this one, but I mean the the knock kind on of Leap not playing was that Ramone got to defend John Hernandez primarily, like as yeah. his one on one defender for seven minutes. And it like I dread to think had that not happened, like John would easily have cracked 40, I think. Yeah. Um And yeah, I'm not sure what the... They seem to love the Leap out for Gozivi substitution in Medivor. I'm not entirely sure why.
0: Do you think their coach is just like, oh my God, six whole players? This is two more than we had at the start of the season. (laughs) What a luxury. Um, Um, But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Leap is also... flies about all the time and isn't young. I don't know, but I'm not... I'm doubt he's asking to come out, but uh, um, that seems to be the only sub they make. Really? Like, just them two in and out? Like, I don't think I've seen him on the floor.
1: Yeah, it's very very strange, man. Um,
0: But that is what it
1: is, and Gran Canaria won the game in those minutes, effectively. So, yeah, 22 for Ramone, 39 for Salazar. Hell of a game for Salazar. Actually, quietly a a good all-around game for Luigi as well. had 10 rebounds and 7 assists, Um, but he was playing the point on the offense a lot and just hitting Salazar on the weak side, and with the way he was shooting that will rack the assists up pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Something that I find interesting with Gran Canaria is like, cause they kind of play, they play an offense that is quite sort of simple and bare bones, like strong side pick and roll one side, kick to a well, shooter in the middle, kick to someone on the weak side. And then every so often they'll do what they did in this game where they'll split uh Ramone and Salazar and they'll have him as a spot up, um, yep, yep. spot up guy on the weak side. And it's just interesting to see like when they pull the trigger on that and why, and yes. if there's much reasoning to it. Like I thought it was interesting. Um, like when we played against them, for example, they had Raul in the middle and kinda of kept him quiet and then they had a timeout and all of a sudden Raul was sitting weak side and he had a couple of shots before we kinda of twigged on that it was him that was over there, and it was like, Ah, okay. Like not changing your entire scheme, but just kind of redistributing your assets. Because there are times where I'm like, that's quite interesting because like they play Luigi in the middle quite a lot um, and they'll end up with like, for, like a Ramone and a David Hernandez pick and roll or they'll go like Raul and Salazar were playing a lot together. And I wonder like, Luigi's massive. Like I'm surprised they don't like stick him on the block and let him roll for people every so often because you kind of effectively have a power side. Yeah. Anyway, I know he's only a 2-5 but he's gigantic. Yeah, I mean, If yeah.
1: If Mediba can do that same thing with Joymar, then I would have thought Gran Canaria could do it with Luigi. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know if it's just like a coach's preference. I don't know that the, the Gran Canaria coach has been has generally been known for kind of running the simple stuff well and never getting hugely outside the box so yeah. maybe a, maybe a different coach would do that but yeah
0: it's like the thing that we talk about where it's like everyone's like ah oh, Grand Canaria stuff that they used to run when I was there was so great and you're like ah oh, they just had like it was like fairly bare bone stuff than any of the flourishes were like there were good players on the perimeter and <laughs> me and Mendel did our jobs but it was uh, the thing was I could, best but
1: it was the thing i could never get my head around I went, we used to have so many guests on here who were like i just
0: love watching grand Canary." it's like they set a pick and they pass the ball twice <laughs> there's an open shot no but no but the only reason people love it is because sometimes we pass the ball six times off that it's <laughs> yeah. like the i don't know the standard like running game thing of you sort of create an advantage and then you start the chain where you just like kick 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 like we just moved the ball twice more than some other teams and everyone thought it was and to be fair it was a lot of fun and sometimes it did look great but
1: no i think i think it's like that definitely is true but i think it's like a very obvious example of like results based thinking because there's like there's definitely teams that run this exact same offense and just don't have rose holloman on the weak side
0: exactly yeah you don't have like a six four point guard that can shoot the life out of it i'm <laughs> like one of the greatest spot up shooters in the world yeah and, therefore, and you know, i'm playing to 17 points as well like there's a, a bunch good. of
1: teams that run the exact same offense and then when they get the shot at the end they miss and it doesn't look as good
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, well, me and Mandel there just being like empty chairs and screens. Yes. Like, <laughs> me and Mandel there as cones. <laughs> right. Should we wrap up Spain? Uh yes. All right. Um Amibel Reyes Gutierrez forty seven, seventy-five.
1: Yeah, so this one was over quickly.
0: Yeah, this one got out of hand real quick. 25-9 first quarter to a Loonian who came out, if I'm not mistaken, with the same sort of five that they've been coming out with for a while now, which is um, Hasso, uh, Warburton, Latham, O'Neill, Thorne, and Sticks. I decided to go all second names there uh, for some reason. And <laughs> yeah, they they've, I say they found something here. They obviously weren't like they didn't stumble upon it by accident. These are guys they've picked up this year um, to create a lineup but yeah, I mean we should
1: preface all of this by saying Malaga missing uh, Lewis Edwards who's been out for a while Pete Cusack who it's been announced will be out for the rest of the season uh, having hurt his shoulder I believe and Abdi Jamo is also not in this game for reasons I'm unclear on Um, but if you want to hear from Abdi then keep an eye out
0: yeah. Um, well keep some ears out you can't yeah. hear with your eyes
1: um, so yeah <laughs> Malaga you look at the chart of the guys who are available it gets a little bit bleak pretty quickly they got 18 from Jaime Esparza 12 from Kyle and then a couple of single digits um, and yeah they just didn't have any depth of options really um, No, missing, missing a couple of mids and one of their main sources of offence in Abdi it just you know you could argue a full strength Malaga team would give Alunion a game as they did last year, but yeah, it's not happening down three of your guys who were starters at the start of the season. No, um,
0: 100% not. And especially like you play against an Alunion team who've kind of decided that they're going to go like mobile guys defensively to try and get themselves going that way and turn defence into offence, and you're missing Pete Kuzak and Lewis Edwards. Yeah. Like, you're missing a lot of your chair skills um, there, and then you're missing the ability to get those guys on the floor and also have shooting by having Abdi there. Um, though You've got, like, there's obviously still guys that can move. I'm not, like, I'm not saying any of the guys that are still there can't, but I'm saying, like, you kind of run out of options to try a little quicker, and I don't know if you remember, but one of the reasons the return game of this um, fixture looked closer than it probably was in the end was because Lewis went nuts near the end. Yeah, yeah I do remember. Which was which was great. Um yeah. but yeah, uh this got this got out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah and yeah. never really recovered. But
1: it's all um it gets very uh victory y doesn't it, when they're having Paco Kiles run two man game like mid second quarter. <laughs> it's like, hey, come on, like I know you want to get the young guy minutes, but it's very much like if you can be running your offense through him against what's meant to be a competitive team mid-second quarter, then you're probably in a pretty comfortable spot. Um, I actually think he's a really good-looking prospect. But, yeah, this very much felt like Illunion's game plan was get ahead comfortably and then roll from there. And that is exactly what they did.
0: Exactly. Yeah, they looked good. Um, All right, shall we move on? Let's do it. All right, so the first game that we're going to talk about in Germany is uh, Trier Dolphin 65, Thuring Gables 84. Yep. So I you turned this stream on. This was the game that the stream starts in the second quarter, isn't it? Yes. Um, so I turned this on and I looked up the fact that Passivan had 36 and I watched like most of it and i was like w- when did this like when did he score his 36 what's going on um I, I wasn't able to watch the whole thing i had to i had to leave some to go somewhere just before i was finishing it and i forgot to sort of finish it off at the end but when did he have 36 so <laughs> does, he just, does he just have 36 and that's just it looks like he didn't know or is he, he just,
1: just i think he just has it before the game starts yeah it's everybody gets like the zeros in the you know, and they start the game up. Everybody's got zeros all over the sheet. I think he's just got thirty six points on no stats. Um,
0: yeah, they just assume they're like, yeah, probably. But no, I'm I'm not like I'm not being I'm not being dismissive. I'm just like he just has a quiet thirty six. What are we talking about? Also, the amount of games that Trier have lost that we've started by talking about them rather than <laughs> congrats, Thuringen. You looked great. You scored eighty four again, but.
1: Yeah, no, I think this was this was very much Thuringen just coming out and taking care of business, wasn't it? I mean, they've obviously, Trier couldn't in a million years hope to balance Thuringen's height advantage. And, you know, they came out of Haluski as 22 on 10 from 13 shooting and then they bring Geordie off the bench as they have been doing and he's got 22 as well.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder what that's about. We've spoken about this before. Like, I wonder if that's just like a... Is it is our best bet? The thing we spoke about with the like the Patty Mills thing of like, hey, we just want competence for 40 minutes, like, we want a guy yeah. the floor I, at all times.
1: I also think they've leaned slightly more. I think they like both Lyndon and Jens yeah. out there as like dump down threats, maybe slightly more than they like Geordie in that role. Um, oh, yeah.
0: Like, if Geordie's out there, he's not sitting yeah. on the block. Like, that's an inappropriate um, use of resources, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think that that's potentially it. And, like, Linden and Jens didn't have massive games in this one. They had six and nine, respectively. But they, you know, they very much are out there to catch and finish. And if you can have those two out there in a game where you know for a fact that they can't... Your opponent can't single cover either of your big guys, then your guards are probably going to get a decent number of shots. And then Jordy's free to come in and run the offense, I guess. But... Yeah, I don't know. I I would be surprised if we saw Thuringan go with it. You know, this strikes me as kind of a thing that, you know, like an NBA team will do all season. Like the Warriors start Kevon Looney the entire season, and then it gets to, like, game six of one of the playoff series, and they're like, okay, we'll just play our five best players. Like We know we can do this, and it's a luxury for us, but also we could just play our best five guys. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so maybe... Maybe that'll be the case, but they obviously didn't need to push that button in this game. So,
0: is what it is, man. gonna keep on rolling. Absolutely. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to say about this. This was, like, on the edge of being interesting enough to, like, really care about but, like, it kind of, when a game is when a game goes roughly how you think it will, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a while since can have played someone that I've, that have, like, pushed them. Yeah, I think it's probably, maybe a function of the fact that they never really slip up in a game yeah. like this. Like, they're never going to go to Cologne and it just be like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, 84, 27. Like, cool.
1: Yeah, like the, the whole, the best way I can describe it is we, like, kind of half joked about how we love doing that. Oh, you know, San Stefano might give a loony on a hard time thing because it's like something interesting to talk about. Like, no. But you want to just keep hope alive. Like, you just absolutely yeah, yeah, you, you die. But, Had that been Thuringen in Alunion's place, like even if you would tell me the talent across the two teams is exactly equal, there is no part of me that's like, oh San Stefano might give Thuringen a game. It's like, no, they'll probably come out and crush them and keep running the score
0: (laughs) up. Yeah, and it's like I've said I think Alunion are better than Thuringen this year, but like still it's just a thing of like they're just like they just steamroll people, don't they? Yeah, they do. Right. Speaking of not steamrolling people. (laughs) Oh my god, you can't just the the anti way, the way seg. Um
1: not speaking of steamrolling people.
0: Um speaking of not not steamrolling people, Hanover sixty five, Hamburg fifty-six.
1: Yeah, this was a strange one. Um no Sean Norris for Hanover, so that goes some way towards explaining it. But I think this was Hanover coming out, knowing that this was a relatively safe bet and maybe not being all the way dialed in for this one, but they took care of business on the back of 17 from both Jan Sadler and Alex Butter, and also 14 from Jan Gans, who's in the middle of a little two-week revival when you count their game against Wiesbaden last weekend. Yeah. Um, which is funny, because he's not really had any... There's not been an obvious role for him to play all year. Um with the arrival of Tom McHugh as like their main big guy. And yeah, he's just kind of had a couple of games of like hot enough outside shooting that he brings something to the table, especially with Sean out. It was kind of right place, right time.
0: Yeah. Um, Like you described this game as NBA in February, which I was like, (laughs) that's the good analogy because I don't know. There are times where I spoke to you about this, where it's like, I thought none of our, a better team than Hamburg, obviously. And I was like, I hate this because sometimes my analysis is just better team doesn't play well. Better team just realizes that they need to pull the finger out, starts playing well. Like the Yang Gans, Vanessa Ariskin lineup was plus 24, 26, 26. Um, and yeah, just it's, it's one of those where it's like, okay, these guys have it today. Like they have the quality even without Sean Norris. Cause I don't know. I, Have you heard of him? Sean Norris, good basketball player. Missing him is going to affect any team. But just the fact that we've spoken about Hanover a couple of times having like two and three different quite big lineup options. And it's like, okay, so we'll go to this one. Nah, I don't have it today. Okay, let's go to this one. Cool, got it. And then I think they never really turned back once they figured it out. Like lost the first quarter by... Seven won the second quarter by seventeen. You you say they never turned back. They
1: then won. They then lost the third quarter by ten after they'd built up. (laughs) Oh my
0: god! Yes, you're right. That's
1: kind of what I thought in terms of them not being fully dialed in. I think they like started out bad, obviously turned it up, and then I can't remember if they went back their starters to start the third quarter or not, but they. I think they kind of got ahead by 10 and were like, okay, we've found it now. And that yeah, obviously primed for a slip-up at that point. But yeah, um, on the Hamburg side, 27 from Kai Müller, who's very quietly stringing a decent number of 20-point games together. Uh, 13 from Mamadi Traore and 8 and 6 from Hannes and Paul Jachmik, respectively. Um, but yeah, Hamburg just not really with enough and I did think this watching the game is like, do you think Hanover look at Kai Muller and are like, ah oh man, another medium sized three who can play kind of inside and out, that's what
0: we could do with a seventh one of them Ah, that is their archetype <laughs> Yeah, that's that's another Toronto Raptors
1: Yeah um, <laughs> but yeah.
0: Um, yeah,
1: so this was kind of, once it got once they got into the fourth quarter, I think it was it was always going to go Hanover's way, wasn't it? I would have been very surprised if... Basically, I would have been surprised if Hamburg had pulled it out, even though they'd played well on and off for 30 minutes. You kind of feel like if you go into the fourth quarter tied, the money's on the better team nine times out of ten.
0: Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: Shifting on, we'll just... Allude to this one very gently because this may or may not be the subject of our guest spot on Thursday. But sure. Ryan River Rhinos 86, RSV Landil 72. So, this was Landil's first loss in the German league all year. It's their second loss of the season after they um, played Illunion at Champions Cup. And yeah, we'll obviously get more into this on Thursday, but Seventy-two points
0: scored is pretty good. And, yeah, like yeah, it's man. not like they laid an egg on offense yeah. or anything. Just, and I don't even think they had anything fundamentally wrong with how they were trying to stop uh, Vesparden. They just, I, there were so many times where I was like, Rander Rainers would just play pretty good offense and make a load of shit. Like the shot sixty-one percent. Like <laughs> this, this was one of those where it's like. I don't. I don't know. um,
1: For context, to go to go back to a game we were just talking about, Ran River Rhino scored the same number of points on almost the same percentage against Landil as Amiab did against Viadolid.
0: Yes, and it's just
1: like what the hell.
0: But back. welcome to the league. Yeah, man. We'll
1: get more into this. We obviously don't want to spoil this ahead of um, Thursday when we will be joined by. Somebody, Ryan River Rhinos adjacent. I don't know why I'm being coy about it. We've already put on our Instagram for questions. When will we be joined by Lucas Warburton?
0: Second Warburton in a row.
1: Darren, Pablo, you're next. The Pablo Zazweiler of the Warburton family.
0: Um, He's not yeah. coaching. Um, He's but on. anyway. What? Can we shift on from this one? Uh, Yes, Uh, this was Mendel, and I'm excited to talk about it. Fair play to Rhinos. Yeah, way to go um yes okay yep. last one we're going to talk about all week uh 53 monsterland 60 yeah one thing i want to talk about did you watch this one i did did you watch the uh team announcements at the start and see that dirk pasivan was on i mean dirk Nowitzki. sorry was on the screen i did like,
1: I did not see that. I generally skip over that stuff because we have so many games to watch. <laughs>
0: yeah, I find it by accident. Like, I was just clicking through to try and find the start of the game, and just Dirk Nowitzki was on the screen being like, and from the ING Sky, Skywheelers. Oh, really? Like, or whatever. It was in German, but he was. I think he was – I don't remember the exact phrase, but it was like, and from introducing the ING Skywheelers, blah, blah, blah. Um, He didn't then do everyone's name, but I was like, oh, man, this yeah, is great.
1: Cool. Yeah. Man, I'll go back and watch that. That sounds badass. Uh, <laughs> it was like
0: a three-second clip. I was just like, "Oh, you got him to do this? That's cool." But definitely. Uh, um, yeah, this was fine. Um, Ing Skywheelers came out. I don't know why I'm saying Ing every time. Get their sponsors in. Um, came out really slow and he had six points in the first quarter and then like lost the first quarter by six, lost the full game by seven. It was a pretty close game. Apart from that, but just. Couldn't get going early, like, yeah. I thought about 35% it, as a team, like, that's not
1: going to get it done. It was, an, I think, this one. This will obviously not go down on like Munsalan's biggest wins of the season or anything, but I thought this was a, quietly a positive sign for Munsalan because they took care of business here in a game where Matthias Bell has only attempted seven shots and three of them were threes, yeah. You could take that as a positive or a negative because, like, why on earth against this team is he not getting inside consistently? Um, He's been a lot better at that against better teams than he was in this game. Uh, I'm not really sure what was going on here or if this was like an offensive experimentation game for Munsterland a little bit. Um, But, yeah, I mean, with him being relatively quiet, they got 19 from Julian Lammering and 16 from Zoran Muller, and yeah they kind of carried through against Skywheelers who have obviously like played a handful of close games against Cologne and the like and yeah I thought they were able to they were able to succeed despite what seemed like it would be their biggest advantage um, in terms of Matthias' size didn't really bear out but they are able to work around that well enough so I think that's like another another tool in the box for them that's kind of proven to be useful, but yeah, I would have thought this one shouldn't have been a single figures affair, as far as I could tell.
0: No, I really didn't think it should, but I don't know. Like, part of it is just Monsterland play slowly enough, and they're they're because they're, they're massive. They just play slowly enough that I don't think they're blowing anyone out. Like, how to blow someone out shooting fifty-seven shots? <laughs> uh, you, you say that they beat Cologne by like thirty. <laughs> In the first game of the
1: season.
0: Oh yeah. Oh god. What do I know? Um, yeah. um yeah, I yeah. I love how I'm coming on here trying to like get people to love wheelchair basketball and just be like, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> um yeah, the lamb rings are are cool. I'm impressed by both of the lamb rings at all times. And okay. I think they I don't know, it'd be cool to see them stick around in Munsterland, it would also be cool to see one or big cool to see one or both of them ending up somewhere. A little bigger in Germany over the yeah. next couple of years. I hope um, we get.
1: I hope we get both. I hope we get somebody this summer who looks at Munsterland and is like, oh, there's something going on here." Like, if we got an unexpectedly big
0: name who is like, "I'll give Munsterland a crack for a year and see how this looks." Okay, Akira Munsterland. No, uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. That'd be fun if we were just matchmaking, just but our own personal tastes rather than what the teams need.
1: Yeah, um, that, Guys that,
0: that we that. think are great that don't get played enough on other teams and putting them onto the teams that we like as they are. But <laughs> no, that's not how that works.
1: Something horribly ironic with taking the teams we like as they are and trying to superimpose people onto them and be like, this will make it better.
0: Yeah. And crucially, we're being like, we like this team as it is, but we're going to kick one fifth of them out <laughs> based on something else.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Very little else going on in this game. Um, as I say, it was just like. Slow start from Sky Wheelers and Monsterland got up. It's I don't know. There's something very like not even unsatisfying, but like uninteresting about a game that it's like a team gets up X amount in the first quarter and then just puts it in neutral and stays there for the full game. Yeah,
1: that's one of like I don't know what the terminology is, but if you were to do like game patterns, it's like how the margin builds or drops. That's one of my least favourite ones. My actual least favourite one is when it's like team with a big lead, other team comes back to tie it all the way, and then it's like five minutes left, it's tied, and then it actually just turns out being a blowout for the last five minutes. It's like, man, if it's gotten this close with five minutes left, can't we like get it all the way down to the wire rather than just like temporary suspense? That's yeah. not happened a lot this year. It felt like that happened at least once a week last year, and I was always like, I just want one overtime game once. Yeah. But yeah, uh Wheelers wise twenty points for Christoph Spitz, eleven for Sven Diedrich, twelve for Nico Dreimüller, and yeah, they kind of got outshot by Munslam just a little bit, which is not something you end up saying very often. Um, but yeah, Muslin just had the kind of had enough horses to keep the scoreboard ticking over, um, even on a relatively quiet game from both Matthias Anzler and Zoran Muller, but. Munsterland kind of sneaky deep at this point now that they've got um, Ilse Arts in and they've got like a second lineup and stuff. They got just Morinskov come off the bench with eight points in twelve ish minutes. It's like that's actually that doesn't sound like anything massive, but seven point game, eight points off the bench will do it for you.
0: Yeah. Yes. Also, we've just seen like the like having a slight bit of depth. We've seen teams with the opposite where it's like okay, you've got six guys, cool. Yeah. You, yeah. Um, and they're not really making any subs that change how they play in any way. Like they're going bigs and ones for bigs and ones. But yeah, it's, right. we're, we were saying like it's not great that just have a sub that you don't change anything but a player, like you don't change styles, but it's certainly better than just not being able to even do that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Do we have belt candidates? Should we lay out several candidates or should we just go like, no, let's, let's lay them out. Uh Salazar, uh Toprak.
1: Okay, so uh Top is the one that I went for. We've not talked about the game, so it's gonna be slightly weird, but I feel like Salazar biggest game scoring wise, but also they beat Madiba, who we've spent a chunk of the season actively mocking. So I don't feel like that helps his case and Toprak will get into it again on Thursday, but Top rack of thirty four against Londell and looked like the best player in that game.
0: Yeah, we'll just go thirty four seven and seven and six to beat a team that hasn't lost all year apart from a one Champions Cup game. Like they haven't lost in the league all year, and you go thirty four seven and six. Yeah. I think that is belt material. <laughs> Good without enough. at a risk of trying to define what belt material is, because yeah, I don't know. Yeah, thirty four on sixty five percent shooting as well. We should point out. That'll do it. Also, did that seem quiet to you? Not to not to step on our toes for Thursday, but like every, like Uh no maybe I, maybe I just can't pay attention to things for long enough to notice patterns. Maybe my brain is just soup at this point. But is it does it seem quiet because you're
1: like glancing down at your phone all the time and then you look up and you're like, oh man. Yeah, it's,
0: like... it's really quiet when you just miss a quarter and a half from TikToks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. It's um... like
1: it's like how I still have that thing. Do you know? Going back a few years when like friends used to be on like Comedy Central four episodes a day. Yeah. I still have the thing where like. If I ever think of a reference or a moment from Friends, I'm always like, God, that episode's not been on for a while. It's like, no, I just, I stopped, like, doing the Comedy Central episodes carousel, like, maybe
0: six years ago. Yeah, I mean... it's just media has moved on to the point yeah. that you don't need that for background noise to stop thinking. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, you have other things to mean that you don't have to be alone with your thoughts now exactly like this podcast if you don't want to be alone with your thoughts make sure you subscribe to the bench units podcast we have this episode coming out um in the past already if you've listened this far uh we have one coming out on thursday and yeah we're back every week so listen to this to avoid thinking
1: we're back every week until james's next birthday yes
0: all right thank you very much for listening guys uh we'll be back with Lucas Warburton to talk about uh, their game against Landill at the weekend and we'll talk to you then. Cool. Peace out. Thanks. Bye.